Welcome to the Authority of Love. I'm Greg Williams, and I'm excited for my beautiful wife, Amy, to join me for this week-long interview with the True Kingdom Worship Prophetic Prayer Line. Thank you, Brother Byron. Thank you again for Sister Mavis and Sister Phyllis for allowing me to do this. Uh, something that struck me as you were reading, uh, Brother Byron, was um, that you, we're getting near the end. Uh, I have eight sections in, in the book, and what the Lord laid on my heart as I was preparing them was that, um, that this really is God's covenant order. And so often we, we get ourselves, um, we get ourselves, uh, out of line with that. And then what we do is we stand at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, as I've said before, and everything we do, which is not in line with God's covenant order, we decide that, well, I go to church and I give and I, and, I, and I serve some, so I'm a good Christian. But if I want to do marriage or sex or parenting or finances or church or any of these other things that fall under God's covenant order, the way he has designed and ordered for them to do, to be, if we do any of those outside of his order or the way we want to do them, priority-wise or uh, off-base, doing them our way instead of the way of his truth, his word, then um, have essentially taken Christ off the throne. Now, we don't think that because we continue to, we tend, we, we continue to attend church and we gave money and we served, and that's all the church really asks of us anymore. But, but we are living our own way while we are, while we are, uh, uh, claiming that we're walking with Christ. So I, I say all that to say this. Uh, Amy has joined us, so we'll, I know you have some questions for her in a moment, a couple of them, but um, in line with what you just read, we were on a radio program maybe six or eight months ago, a good friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine who has a, a program called Hope Is Here, Greg Horn. Um, you can look up his podcast, Hope Is Here, dot today. But he's a great friend. I've been mentoring him for 20-some-odd years um, when he was going through a couple of, of tough uh, relationships and ended up in divorces uh, as a pastor. And he has just he's just continued to seek the Lord and walk in him. But one of the things that he asked uh, Amy to do was simply read the forward at the beginning of the uh, the book. And, and he said it, it touched so many women and couples to hear that. And so that was the beginning of the book. We're now near the end and we're talking about parenting and the impact on our children and generational discipleship. And yet the thing that we need to remember is that all of this is not only for our lives and for our marriages and our families, but God then calls us to be servants and as he calls us to do so, to be servant leaders in his church. And Paul said to Timothy in the letter to Timothy that he took to the churches, if you can't serve and lead your own family, how can you serve and lead by? So think about this as I'm, as I'm sharing today and as you read. If we are not doing the job in our homes, of which I have found very, very few people are doing, even as they attend church, uh, it's not a condemnation. This is just a reality, um, a reality check, I should say, that what kind of leadership do we have in our churches? We have leaders that have done the same thing they've done in their corporate office because most churches are corporate entities now. And so they have led the same way they led their family. I'm the CEO. I'm the owner. I'm the president. 
you will do what I say. And they, it's a little nicer when they only have to spend a few hours a week maybe at church or at a board meeting at the church, and they can do it there. But I've sat in many of those meetings when push came to shove, and somebody disagreed with another person, and tempers flared, and language was used that was not godly right there in the church board meeting. Uh, and, I, and I just thought to myself, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, help them to see that this is not your, your servant leadership at all. And I imagine the same thing goes on in their home. I came to find out that in, in, in the cases where I would sit with them or they would come to me, that that was 100% true. And so we're not just talking about how to do relationships and marriage and family the way God wants. He says, you do it there, then I want you to carry that into my church, Christ's family. Then I want you to take your talents and abilities, and I want you to take that into the world. The problem is we're not seeing it in our homes and families. We're not seeing it in our churches. Why in the world would we expect to see true, godly, loving leadership in the world? And so what you read was not just about me and my children, my wife, my family, our, our marriage and family. It was about what we're called to do in the church and in the world. And unfortunately, it's interesting. I've read books or excerpts of books from, some, from what the world would call great Christian leaders. And one of the things they say near the end of their life, and you can read them in a lot of places, here's what I would have done differently. You know what I'm talking about there. And I've had some great ones, some that have led twenty and 25,000 member megachurches, okay? Uh, some that even endorsed my book. And, and I, I talked with them about it. And, and here's the interesting thing. They said one of the first things I would do differently is I would spend more time and pay more attention to my marriage, my spouse, my wife, and my children. Now, this is someone who was lifted up, not just one, several. You read this in several of them. This is someone who rose to the top, was able to, to, to make a lot of things happen, and I believe the Lord used that. But I also believe that, that he led them to that truth near the end of their life when they said, why didn't I pay more attention to your word and spend the time with my marriage and my family and let you be responsible for how I'm doing the same thing in leading your church and impacting others. And so all of this is important. My last two sections, I think this is our last week, so my last two sections, if you go on and read, um, are about that. Why, why are we missing and lacking true servant leadership, loving relational servant leadership in our churches for the most part, and then in the world? Because we've not done it according to God's design in our own lives, in our own marriages and families. And God made that very clear. We'll reap what we sow. So all of that to say what you just read about, uh, about the, the greatest decisions that I made as a father oftentimes cost me and, and my family possibly opportunities to be in positions where we could have been seen as one of those leaders or made more money. I don't know what the Lord would have done with that, but I do know what the Lord called me to. So I... Um, I, I want to make sure that we understand that not only is this true in our personal lives, but we need to um, we need to uh, recognize that this impacts our this impacts our uh, what we are as Christians and what we are as the body of Christ. 
so, but I, I've I've known I've got a few people that will come around and say, man, you, you're you're one of the one of the most effective and greatest leaders I've known. You won't find many people. You know where they where the, the ones that say that, and I don't say that in vain. I say that with humility. The ones who say that are the ones that have sat with me and listened, and and you know why? Because it's changed their life and their marriage and their family, and the way they do love and servant leadership according to God's word. And so, um, so that I, that's the point that the Holy Spirit was leading me to make as you read that, Brother Byron, for us to um, to recognize that we're called to do this a certain way. We will likely have to in this culture. We will likely have to give up some things that would be pretty nice, and others would see as very high and noble. But I would rather have it be seen in God's eyes as noble and honoring to him than what the world thinks of it. And I made that choice a long time ago. And as I said, and as you read, God has blessed me, my marriage, my family. Not in the same way he would if we ran a multi-million dollar business or had a mega church or anything like that. Not that we ever would have. But everybody sees and hears those names. And God said, and, and most of the time, most of the time, they have built that by sacrificing their marriage, their wife, their spouse, their family. And most of the kids and spouses will tell you that. And they just had to kind of live with it or they got tired of it and left. That's been all too common in our culture today because we haven't done it according to God's covenant order. And so I'm going to stop there with that for now. We can come back to that again, but a, a listener uh, is sending a question. I'm going to let Amy uh, share a little bit on this one. Uh, it says, when dating while single, temptation to have sex is very real and hard, especially when you've been used to having sex. That's been that's probably been true for most of us days. So I've only found two couples in the last 20, now I haven't worked with all couples, but I've only found two, and one of them was my son and his now wife, our daughter-in-law, that actually did not engage in sex before they were married. married. And so uh, that's very common for most, and you'll find that you have to go back to your faith and grace and the disciplines of God's Word as a disciple if you're not willing to do that. But I'm going to let Amy speak that a little bit because we laid down some boundaries to do that. Hi, everyone. This is Amy Williams. Um I really was hoping Greg was going to answer that question because he deals with this all the time. Um, but I know from our own experience, we um, we th- that was a situation that we were in. We had both engaged in, in sex before we met each other, um, but we did not. And, and we were together for three years before we were married. And um, we just, you know, Greg just um, very early on because he was he was quite a bit older than I was. We started dating when I was, 19 and he was later in his 20s um but he just we just he just initiated the talks that we were going to have some boundaries um and that's just the way that our relationship was going to be or we weren't going to have a relationship um so we uh we just set down those boundaries and we just you know prayed through it and you know god can give you strength for anything anything and that's that's just how we handled it, and we just made that decision very early on. Um, here's Greg again. Yeah, so let me just share something about what happened with that, because what we tend to do in our culture, and Amy, I know we'll back this up, 
I said to her on her very first date, we're going to do this God's way. And, and I think I wrote this in the book. One of three things will happen. You'll either go, yeah, right, another so-called Christian saying this, and then he'll within – now, this was 33, 34 years ago, okay? So um, so this was a little bit earlier time, but the, the sexual revolution had already had an impact, as, as Amy just shared. And one of the things that we – I said, you're either going to go, yeah, right, and you're either going to desire to do that and find out that I don't, and you're going to walk away, or four to six months down the road, you're going to have to reevaluate that because – I have always thought I was a stud muffin if that happened, and you've always thought you were attractive if that happened. But believe me, and if you've seen any pictures of my wife, you know she was, I think, picked to be most likely to be a centerfold and most likely to be Miss America, okay, at one point in time. And she she could have done both, but she chose other things as well. And she um, she is, I said to her, you're going to have to realize that I do desire you and I value you way more than just taking you. And so then the third thing that would happen would be we get through this, and when we are tempted and when we touch and when we struggle, we're going to have to tighten the boundaries until uh, instead of going, wow, you did a good job for a couple of weeks or a couple months. Let's We're okay. Let's expand those boundaries because we all know that when we expand our boundaries and we dabble in, in, in temptation a little more, sin always wins. And so as we went through that, the night before we got married, we had our reception dinner, and I went up into her room to give her a goodnight kiss, and we were like, oh, really want to stay? I wouldn't know. And I gave her a kiss on the cheek, and I bolted out the door, and I headed home because we wanted to make sure. So the third thing I said to her that would happen was either you will leave early or you will decide to stay. You will leave in a few months because you'll reevaluate this or decide to stay. 